Hello, everybody, and welcome. We are the Annoyed Grunt Boys, and this is the 138th Simpsons Podcast, the podcast where we explore the venerable animated TV show from seasons 11 and beyond. I'm half an Annoyed Grunt Boy, Steve, and with me, as always, is my other half Annoyed Grunt Boy, Craig. Craig, how you been this week? Ah, uh, shitty. How about you? I've been all right. Saw a movie with a jerk this weekend. Well, I wouldn't call our intern Heather a jerk, <laughs> but that's what you want to do. No, I, I kid, but Humi and producer Heather had a lovely day it was weird we we spent the entire day together we usually we don't hang out that much physically because of distances and times and Mm -hmm. the older you get you you know you're spending time with your significant other or your your intern as i do Mm-hmm. So intern Heather was part of a live interpretation, I guess you would call it, of Spaceballs, where she was one of the voice actors. They weren't performing. It was just it was like an old radio drama with sound effects and music, you know, how they would have done back in the 30s, of course. And so she was one of the cast members. And I invited Steve and he came, which was great because he got a day off of work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I took the day off. Heather did a great job. It was a great performance. She actually ad-libbed the last line, too. It's which true. Got a huge applause and since Spaceballs is a parody of Star Wars she just threw out the most famous ad lib ever in a Star Wars movie which was from Empire Strikes Back when Princess Leia tells Han Solo I love you in the original script Han Solo is supposed to say I love you back and for some reason or other the writer of the interpretation of Spaceballs had the same scene with the ending was the character of Lone Star tells the character of Princess Vespa uh, I love mm-hmm. you and she was supposed to say I love you too and Heather said I know and got a huge laugh and I thought oh of course they would have written that in the Spaceballs Baseballs because it's the most famous Star Wars quote ever, right? Mm-hmm. But no, apparently Heather's like, yeah, no, it was written. I was supposed to say, I love you too. She said, I know, and ad-libbed, and everyone was very happy with that ad-lib. Yeah, uh, the reaction from the audience for that, and the whole show was very nice. Everyone did a great job. But before that, we saw a movie, Steve. That's right. Steve saw a movie. I saw a movie. That's yeah. right. Steve saw a movie. We saw a movie together, so it's our usual segment on this show. Steve and Craig at the movies. That's right, Steve. We saw Quentin Tarantino's latest film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. Now, the movie was three hours, and it was, as we described, the Seinfeld of movies, because it was about <laughs> nothing. That's right. But does that mean we hated it? Find out next week. Why do we make him wait till next <laughs> week? And by the time this episode airs, that movie has been out for like a month or two. <laughs> yeah, we saw it after it had been out for three weeks. Yeah. So now I was like, yeah, everyone's seen it. So we can spoil the fuck out of it if we want to. It features Brad Pitt and Leo DiCaprio and a dog and Margot Robbie just looking at things mm-hmm. and her dirty feet dirty dirty feet that sounds like we hated the film I really thoroughly enjoyed it because it was uh, I think Quentin just like let Leo and Brad just prove to the world how great they are at acting I agree sitting on it past couple days I wasn't like blown away by the movie itself but I really enjoyed it because it is slow and it gives you time to, like, enjoy the scenery. And also, yeah, you're completely right. Brad Pitt and Leo are really good actors. And I know that's not an astounding thing to say, but this really lets them shine and you really enjoy their performances. Was it a tour de force, as they say? I think it was a tour de empire. Hey, yo, I don't think that they will get Academy nods, but hmm. I think 
Leo should because there's a scene where he's pissed off at what he did on the set earlier as an actor and he's thrown shit in his trailer and apparently all of that was all ad-lib which is very rare for a Tarantino thing to let happen but if you're mm-hmm. Leo you let that happen so there's a part if you've seen the movie where there's the first quarter of the movie and the second quarter of the movie the two quarters in the middle just takes place in like one day of what Leo's doing and what Brad Pitt's character is doing and pretty suspenseful stuff on the Brad Pitt side I like that scene where he goes to the hippie commune where the Charles Manson has all of his followers and then Leo's shooting the western and I think what Quentin did with this movie was he took what we were expecting to happen, but he said, no, that's not going to happen. Right. There's still Quentin Tarantino things, especially the end, like Tarantino, what you want from a Tarantino movie. And he gave it to you. So it was like, so the cherry on the top of the sundae was actually on the bottom of the sundae. So he gave you all the <laughs> vanilla ice cream on top. And then and the, the bananas and the right. pineapple, the, as we talked about before. The filler on top. And the cherry was literally at the bottom of that bowl. And that's mm-hmm. what you wanted. And that was the, the ending of the film. And he did the revision, revisionist history type of storytelling, which I'm always a fan of. Because, like, why not? Movies are all fake, you know? That's right. He's not telling the story of Charles Manson and Sharon Tate, the Sharon Tate murders. It's a fairy tale. He's using real people in history and then adding two new characters that never existed. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. It was uh, just a lot of fun watching the emotions of the two actors. And I liked their relationship a lot. And just the insecurity that Leo DiCaprio's character showed was really powerful to me. You mentioned that... We were talking about an off pod after the, the film, and I, I agree with you too. Was when he was just the, his character was the normal person, not you know the actor. He had that little little stutter. Yeah, I think that spoke to his insecurity as a performer, and I think that that was like a really strong choice to make because it showed his weakness, his vulnerability, and that paralleled to his uh, strong, powerful characters that the actor that he was portraying portrayed. I thought that was a really nice uh, bit of dualism that was really good. Speaking of Brad Pitt, I feel like this character that Brad Pitt played was real-life Batman. He didn't have to wear the cape and cowl, but he was just such a badass. Like, nothing is stopped. Right. And his dog, was it Brandy, was the dog? Mm-hmm. That end scene with him and the... Oh, God. I love his yeah. relationship with the dog, but it was also, lo- yeah, like you said, it was a love relationship between Leo and, and Brad. I'm actually looking forward to, like, revisiting this once it comes back once it comes out on DVD again or again mm-hmm. once it comes out on DVD uh, do you have any placing of your Tarantino films like where would you put this we talked about it but it was edited out I think in a previous podcast of our favorite Tarantino movies we both really love Jackie Brown yeah I think that still remains my number one Kill Bill 1 and 2 is my I put them together as my favorite of Tarantino is the Kill Bill saga. Let's just mm-hmm. call it that. Yeah. Uh, here's hoping that he'll make volume three. You never know. Oh, couldn't you? With the son of the bride or the daughter of the bride, rather. Dude, you literally could have Maya Hawk, who's Uma and Ethan Hawk's daughter, mm-hmm. play the bride's daughter because it's her actual daughter in real life. That's true. And because she's an actress now, she she's, if you haven't seen Stranger Things season three, she plays Robin, um, the breakout character from Stranger Things season three, by the way. Jackie Brown is number two for me. Yeah, I think I would go Jackie Brown, then Kill Bill Saga. And then rounding out my top five would be Pulp Fiction just for like nostalgia reasons. Just because I don't really want to watch it, but it was so powerful as a kid for me. And then uh, number four would probably be Once Upon a Time. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then number five would probably be Inglorious. Interesting. I... 
I mean, I think you have to put Pulp Fiction. I think you're right. You have to put that Pulp Fiction there because that's really where Tarantino thing kind of kicked in. I mean, I liked Reservoir Dogs a lot. Are you not much of a fan of The Hateful Eight or Django? Oh, it's hard. I like The Hateful Eight in the structurally i like the fact that most of it was kind of like a play where that's what i enjoyed about it too it was kind of like really dialogue heavy and most of it took place in one room i mean yeah i really did yeah i was kind of just jarred by the way that was it bridget fonda or uh, no uh uh uh, jennifer jason lee he uses famous daughters of hollywood right um the way that she was like treated she does such a good job in that movie though she does and the performance is really strong i mean the it's up there and it did move me i just i pose the question is really it is really hard to like rank tarantino movies yeah it's not like a spielberg thing where it's easy to rank a spielberg list i mm-hmm. it's like okay well obviously the best spielberg movie is 1941 we all know that of course right <laughs> uh then amistad and then, then we got uh, his first movie duel which was really cool actually that movie is pretty cool have you ever seen duel i have not i never saw it until uh, intern heather told me that she used to watch it as a kid all the time and we got the blu-ray and it's huh. it was his first movie it was actually a tv movie i think but you can get it on blu-ray and dvd but it's it's jaws if jaws was a, a semi-truck check it out oh, it's actually fun it's a this guy pisses off like he's driving cross country or whatever for a job and he cuts off some trucker and that pisses the trucker off so he keeps seeing the <laughs> trucker and he's paranoid from the trucker and all that kind of things anyways um that's not tarantino spielberg you're right I, I don't think i can really rank tarantino movies they're all they're all different beasts but with the same kind it's of true beats. yeah it's it's hard because they're all so unique and kind of not and i don't know this one he's a yeah, th- interesting filmmaker this one was definitely the least violent until the end there was a whole scene on the ranch where you expected shit was going to go down and like surprise like deaths and stuff like that but nothing happened super crazy mm-hmm. it was a very fun satisfying movie yeah and i think that's kind of what one of the things that i liked about it so much is that it was kind of really lighthearted in a way right it had this kind of like it actually kind of had the kind of smirk that 70s cop shows did oh yeah where they're dealing with kind of like a Columbo right. or a kojak where you're dealing with some heavy subject material but the the tone is kind of light with a little smirk and a little twinkle in the eye when brad pitt was on the ranch talking to the hippies and he's kind of interrogating them yeah that's what that felt like to me it was like it was like an old-timey cop show where he's just like yeah just do one more thing and didn't that feel so great because we both hate hippies him just like beating up that hippie <laughs> i like that <laughs> yeah it was pretty satisfying <laughs> I mean, that's also a fucked up thing that Hippie did. Like, spoilers, he, like, slashes his tire, which, of course, is the car he's driving is Leo's car. Right. I mean, that was a pretty brutal scene. And, and again, he built up suspense, too, because you thought that the, it was a Tex was riding the bike and he was going to, like, fuck up Brad Pitt, but it mm-hmm. didn't happen. And the scene with Bruce Lee and Brad Pitt was really funny. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to watching this again. I just wish there was more driving in it. Okay, yeah, we didn't bring that up, but this movie was three hours long. If they cut all the driving stuff out, this movie would have been 25 minutes. <laughs> they spent a lot of money redressing LA, the Hollywood Boulevard and everything. I think they had it. He's like, okay, no, we have to get these old storefronts and everything in because we paid a lot of money to redress and close down LA <laughs> for this film. There, there's a reason behind that and I'll get to it when I watch it again because I, I I don't know if I know the reason but because he used all the, all the old radio stations too with the music. By yeah. the way, I need to get that or get that soundtrack. I need to listen to that soundtrack. That is uh, one thing that 
he cannot be beat on is the making of a soundtrack. Um, actually, yesterday, Laura and I were went to a deli nearby our house to get some sandwiches, and while we were waiting, they were playing the Pulp Fiction soundtrack. Oh, wow. And it was so iconic and so good, is that they played uh, Counting Flowers on the Wall, and then, like, a surf song, and I'm like, oh, this is, like, the uh, soundtrack. And then they played the opening track, which is... Uh, Mizzaloo, right? No, the opening track of the oh. CD, which is Tim Roth and uh, Bunny. Being oh, like, right, yeah. If any of you fucking pricks move... <laughs> I'll execute every last motherfucking one of you. There wasn't a record scratch because it was a CD, but they realized that they just played that. Yeah. And I could hear the, oh, from <laughs> the back of the back of the store. And then they just played like the next track. That's funny. Laura and I were the only ones in the store and we didn't care. But yeah, I just thought it was so funny. That they're like, oh, shit. You know, what have we done? You could have complained and you could have got a free meal. Yeah. But, <laughs> but that's a dick thing to move, do anyway. Yeah. And uh, Laura's been a big fan of this deli for a while. And it was my first time there. So, yeah. Let's give Once Upon a Time in Hollywood the old classic Bart Spikes. How about that? I like it. I am going to give it, let's say... Eight out of nine spikes. All right. I'll be a little more conservative with a 7.5 out of nine Bart spikes. Very fair. Uh, the 0.5 off is for the damn dirty feet. Like, okay, we get it. You're into footsies. Also, one last thing is, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I really feel like that underage hippie could have been played by Miley Cyrus and she would have done a good job. Just a thought. I really like that. Yeah, it just seemed like that role would have been good for her, but meh. I like the the actress who played her was great too. I wonder I don't know the actress's name. Was she related to a famous actor or actress that Quentin's worked with her because we talked about before or like friends with because there's a lot of kids of famous people in this movie. We saw Rumor Willis was in it, mm -hmm. which is Bruce's daughter, Bruce Willis. And there was uh, Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman's daughters in it. Uh, Harley Quinn Smith, Kevin Smith. Well, they yep. never worked together, but they're, they're kind of in that same, you know, 90s indie alum kind of friend crew. So uh, that actress is Margaret Qualley, who is a actress and the daughter of Andy McDowell. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, shit, Steve. I know. You we got a feelings. problem. We got a problem. You've got feelings. There's something about Andy McDowell I just do not like. And Groundhog Day is one of my favorite movies, and she's in it. It's fine. I think that Kristen Dunst looks like a dinosaur. I don't know what I, I hate about Andy McDowell. I, there's something about Andy McDowell that I can't stomach. <laughs> there's something wrong. Maybe, like, in a past life, she, like, murdered me, like, her and she's you know reincarnated to this like i don't know maybe yeah okay there's our review of once upon a time in hollywood uh how about we talk about before we talk about other movies let's talk about what happened on this day in history for this episode of the episode that we're talking about wonderful that is may 8th 2005 mm -hmm. but may 8th has some special occasions Steve, I'll let you know that on May 8th in 1984, Moscow announces that the USSR will not take part in the 1984 Olympics that was held in Los Angeles. Oh. There's a kind of a connection with Once Upon a Hollywood, you know, Los Angeles. For sure. Um, in 1970, the Beatles released their album, Let It Be, which um, might be one of my top three favorite Beatles albums. Oh, yeah. I, that's it's, That makes sense. How about this one? In 1886, on May 8th, a little drink called Coca-Cola was invented. Ooh. And how about VE Day was celebrated in American Britain in 1945, both Great Britain and the United States celebrated Victory in Europe Day. Very nice. There we go. Also, um, actor 69 was born in 1996. Who was born? Rapper 6 
X9. Do I know him? Probably not. All right. But did you know in 2010, the oldest actress hosted SNL? The name of that actress was Betty White. America's sweetheart. In 1884, good old Harry S. Truman was born. Is he still alive? I don't believe so. All right. I think he may have died by electrocution, which we can learn in that movie that we saw the trailer for. 1963. The beginning of one of the greatest film franchises started. That's right. James Bond's Dr. No was released in 1963. Ooh. And jumping into 1976, Steve, you're going to love this. The theme song from Welcome Back, Cotter was the number one song in America. Steve, I, I love think, that song. I think we should. John Sebastian, mm. as a former member of the beloved 60s pop group Love and Spoonful, was asked Ooh. to write and record the theme song for Welcome Back, Cotter. Now, Gabe Kaplan, star, is... A professional gambler. That's true. Loves his poker. Any other things on this day of May 8th you got for us? Well, you mentioned 1963. Michelle Gondry, the filmmaker, also born on that day. Well, did you also know that David Attenborough in 1926 was also born? Oh, well, I'll see your David <laughs> Attenborough and raise you, in 1926, a Don Rickles. I love a Don Rickles. You know, we have some Canadian fans out there. I Did believe you know, we do. In 1970, you Canadian fans, Canadian author and activist Naomi Klein was born on May 8th. Huh? Well, I think we also have some British fans. And in 19, 1944, musician and child pornographer Gary Glitter was born. All right. I think that's the done deal with this day in history. Okay. We'll end it on child porn. Let's talk about what we're watching in the cinema. I know what Gary Glitter was watching. <laughs> Jesus. All right, Steve. Number five for the weekend where this episode aired May 8th, 2005. The Interpreter. Number five. Number four was, you know what? Usually I'll say a title of the movie, but I'm going to have Mr. Dave Matthews Band. What were we watching in the number four movie? Crash. That's mm-hmm. right, Crash. Thanks, Dave. Number three, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Gallic Sea. Mm. I saw that movie. Did you see that? Yeah, you saw that. I saw that movie. In a theater, we probably did, but then I saw it again on a vacation that I went to Las Vegas with my girlfriend at the time and her parents. It was weird. Was this the same girlfriend that walked in on you with another? That was the ex. (laughs) Which, uh, wait a minute. Spoilers to the ending of this episode. Yeah. Well, to the middle of this episode. Right. (laughs) All right. Uh, Number two is House of Wax, the... Lisa Rena story? Yeah, that sounds right. All right. And the number one movie was Kingdom of Heaven. Hmm. Weird that this week's episode has to deal with heaven. That's true. Wow. Hmm. This movie, of course, was still in grief over his wife's sudden death. Village blacksmith Balayan, uh, Orlando played by Bloom, Orlando Bloom, yeah, joins a long estranged father, Baron Godfrey, by Liam Neeson, as a crusader on the road to Jerusalem after a perilous journey to the holy city. A valiant young man enters to re- King Baldwin, Edward Norton. I don't. Know. So yeah, it's a it's a religious type movie but this episode is also religious that we're reviewing this week interesting yeah fun how about music well for music maybe not so religious with these pop stars these days but um at number five we have oh by sierra featuring Ludacris. at number four don't be lonely craig because lonely is at number four by akon at number three candy shop by 50 cent featuring olivia which we've had on the charts before number two is hate it or love it by the game featuring 50 cents uh, 50 sense all over this it's like somebody dropped a roll of quarters and your number one song is by gwen stefani it is hollaback girl uh-huh this my shit all the girls don't feel like this few times you've been around that track so 
fun song. It is a fun song. Ain't No Holla Back Girl. This song wasn't really played a lot in my karaoke days. I had a couple people come in and do it. Yeah, it seems like it'd be good for a group. Like, it, yeah, I think can't. it was a good, like, if the Bachelorettes came in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a band. It's just <laughs> girls that are on their Bachelorette parties. I think that would be sung a few times. Yeah, I'm not opposed to that song. It's fun. Yeah, it's fine. All right. Well, what are we watching this week, Steve? Today we are watching Thank God It's Doomsday, the 19th episode of the 16th season. And Homer watches a movie about the end of the world as foretold in the Bible. And Homer does a little research and discovers that the apocalypse is going to begin in one week. Will this be the end of our world? Find out next on the 138 Simpsons podcast. Alrighty, folks, we are back. Today we're talking about Thank God It's Doomsday, episode of the 16th season, originally aired on May 8th, 2005. It is number 354 in the show's run. Your nerd code is GABF14, was written by Don Payne, directed by Michael Markentel, and your showrunner is Al Jean. We have already done an episode with writer Don Payne, and that was the episode previous to this one, 2004, so the previous season of Fraudcast News. Mm-hmm. And uh, his last episode that aired was White Christmas Blues in 2013. And, of course, he did co-write the, th- the first two Thor movies. But uh, sadly, Oh, very nice. Yeah, so sadly, he passed away from bone cancer in 2013. The entire Simpson family sits down on the couch, as they normally would, but they all have Moe's face. Is this a great tattoo, maybe? A shitty Simpsons tattoo? <laughs> it's an idea, yeah. Just Yeah, I don't think I want to love Moe on my, on my body. I've noticed, actually, kind of coincidentally, that one of the Twitter Instagram, or Twitter uh, accounts that I follow has been doing like Mo parodies of other properties all week long. Like they had the little, yeah, little Mo made. I saw that one. That was good. It's kind of funny that they're doing that in preparation yeah. for our episode. It's very nice of them. Well, they're a sponsor, I'm assuming. Probably. Give us money. Or at least like some leftover day old cinnamon rolls from Cinnabon. Mm, love crusty buns. Uh, so our episode opens with Marge ringing a triangle and announces, I scream, you scream, we all scream for... Haircuts! But the kids have another idea. Mom, Bart and I have been talking. You have? That's so nice. What Lisa's trying to say is there's a new kid's barbershop in the mall, and we'd like to start going there. A kid's barbershop? But they don't have my templates. Yeah, the templates had a great run, but we'd like our hair to look like, um, people hair. Oh, I see. Well... Good luck getting to your precious mall, Barber, because I'm not driving you. What did you think of the cardboard cutouts to cut the hair perfectly for, for the kids? It seems nice. I wish I had that. I mean, I don't need it now, but <laughs> as a kid, it would have been kind of nice. Save some time. I just don't know where the hair begins <laughs> and the skin ends, you know? It's true. Sure. They've made that joke before. I think so. Homer appears out of nowhere and offers to take them to the mall. Kids, want to go to the mall? They're baking fresh Cinnabons, which means they're throwing out the old ones. I like how when they they go out the window to go to the mall instead of using the door, and Homer even, like, kisses Marge, just, like, say goodbye. Now, I'm wondering whose idea that was in the writer's room, because, you know, they're like, well, we can animate them, you know, actually running out the door, but they're already in the scene. Maybe it's cheaper just they go out the window. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because that way they don't have to worry about cutting back to Marge with 
the templates, like with their own templates. So it's kind of an economical uh, right. use of animation. So good on them, person. So then we go to the Springfield Mall where we hear the Baja man singing, Who Wants Their Haircut? to the tune of Who Let Their Dogs Out? And uh, Homer and the children go to the Buzz Club for a cool $30 haircut. Craig, when you were a kid, did you go to like one of these cool like kid haircut places? I don't know if those existed when I was when we were kids. That's did true. They? No, I mean, I used to go to this angry old Italian man and he would get mad at me for fidgeting. So he would uh, nick my ear until it bled. You should just didn't go to like one of your dad's bookies. Could have been. Uh, my mom cut my hair when I was a kid. So <laughs> that's that's how we rolled. If I remember seeing pictures of you as a child, uh, <laughs> she must have had a lot of bowls. Yep. It was just uh, yeah. bowl cuts up until I was 27. So it was weird. Yeah, it works. Yeah. But the weird thing is she died when I was 21. So I don't know. Getting haircut from the old in the grave. Uh, so yeah. the Baja man, busy schedule of writing many more songs, actually mm-hmm. did, the, did the music for that parody. That's right. Steve named one other Baja man song. Of their top five, two of them are Who Let the Dogs Out and Best Year of Our Lives. Sounds great, Steve. Thank you. That's all I'll play. <laughs> While sitting in the barber's motorcycle, Bart is distracted by a portable video game, and the barber follows his instructions, resulting in an interesting line from Lisa Simpson. Oh, Bart, you look worse than Aunt Patty in the morning. And there ain't nothing looks worse than Aunt Patty in the morning. Ain't nobody ugly like Aunt Patty in the morning. I, I don't know. It just feels weird. That Lisa would disparage someone's looks. I'm speaking more of her language. Maybe it was uh, an ad lib or just the way you weirdly wanted to say it. Yeah, I just it just hit my ear weird. All right. Anyway. The fight's fun, though. This leads to a, yeah, it leads to a uh, clipper fight between Lisa and Bart. And then Ralph comes in looking for a haircut, hands out a picture looking like Charlie Brown. I thought that gag was pretty good and we've had uh, a few charlie brown references here and there throughout this podcast journey it looks like they will continue unabated yeah the fight reminded me of lisa on ice that's the classic bart and lisa fight right yeah the uh, i'm gonna keep on doing this and if you get hit it's your own fault but they they fought throughout the years mm-hmm. and this one this one's pretty good it's a good fight yeah. it's very violent yeah. and scary yeah i mean it would be kind of freaky to like be bombarded with clippers then you lose yeah. all your hair then you just have to shave your head for the rest of your life. Not- Steve's making a reference to something that happened to him years ago by someone that bombarded him with <clears> a <throat> razor and said, we're cutting your hair. And scissors. Was there scissors involved? Oh, there had to have been. Yeah, of course. Well, one of you had scissors on one half <laughs> and the other one of you had clippers on the other right, half. Steve, do you want to tell the story, Shai? Go ahead. I just had a, f- one of my friends was over one day and uh, this is back probably like 10 years ago when Steve and I lived together and he had, uh, he had kind of long hair mm-hmm. and... I think we were a little drunk and we're like, Steve would look good bald. He would look like Bruce Willis. You had mentioned to me like hours before we even got together about, you may have texted me or something about getting a haircut. And I was like, oh, Craig works next door to a salon and is friendly with the people who work there. Oh yeah. This will be great. And so when I came home and you did not bring home a person from the (laughs) salon, but your friend Molly, who happened to be a forestry major, I was a little surprised. Well, forestry hair, it's kind of the same, right? Right. It's all cut and (laughs) things now. And we just ended up shaving Steve bald and we're like, wow, that actually works. Thus, Steve never grew hair again. This is true. Not that he couldn't. It just was uh, it's his look now. Yeah. We created the, the Steve we all know and love. Well, at least now.
as Bart and Lisa are rolling around fighting, they come across a mirror and see the loss of their respective bad boy spikes and good girl points. Cute little line. It's mm-hmm. like puppy dogs and entrails and sugar and spice. Play on that. Oh, yeah, that's true. Meanwhile, the Springfield Elementary Photography Club, or <laughs> yeah, they didn't have a fun, an acronym for that. Um, it's consisting of Nelson, Melhouse, Martin, and Sherry O'Terry, and is led, of course, <laughs> by Scripinal Principal, Principal Skipiner. Skinner, or uh, what's his uh, Armin Tanzerian? Is really his real name? Yeah. Yes, that's right. We're yeah. gonna, keep, we should keep that. Uh, let's just always refer to it <laughs> since they said they wouldn't. We're gonna keep that alive, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so Mr. Tanzerian yeah. is uh, leading the photography club at the mall, and their best photos will be on display at the school for the rest of the year. Very convenient. And as we know for the Simpsons kids, the rest of the school year is eternity for them. That's right. It never ends. Kind of like this podcast. It never will. Unless they cancel the Simpsons. God willing. Someday. Someday. Uh, So the photography club sees the children's mangled manes and chases them to get the perfect shot. As Bart and Lisa run away, they see Homer eating cinnamon buns from the dumpster. The Simpsons hide in the theater and the photo group finds a new subject. Check it out! The principal's got a shirt wiener! Hmm? Leave your body, Seymour. Leave your body. So Skinner has the classic shirt through the fly. Mm-hmm. And I like what he's saying into his mind. Just go away. Just Yeah, just leave your body. Yeah, just leave your body. Hmm. We've all been there. I can't recall a actual moment where I, I've, I've been there saying, like, leave your body. Just like, you're so embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Do you recall any, like, moment of embarrassments that you're just, like, fly away or leave your body? There was a time when I had just gotten out of a long-term relationship and was in another relationship mm. and we were doing some s- stuff around the house like this people stuff not like sex stuff <laughs> but we decided to take a nap and then my ex decided to <laughs> come in to grab some stuff and they use their key oh, no. that they already had and that was like oh god and then they found us in bed and that was bad and then her mom walked in oh jeez and that was worse and then her dad walked in behind her and that was even worse because he just like looked at me and like he wasn't even mad he was like dude <laughs> yeah that was like i was like Gah! I gotta go, but I couldn't. You'd be like uh, Bart, Lisa, and uh, Homer jump out the kitchen window. <laughs> exactly. Um, Just kiss somebody goodbye and run away. Yeah, that's pretty embarrassing. I had plenty of embarrassing moments in life, but I think my, my body just just blocked them all out, which which is a good thing, I think. I think alcohol yeah. destroyed those memories. Yeah, and if otherwise, you can just stamp it down and just eat your feelings, and they'll all go away. I, I remember one embarrassing moment from like school when I was a young chap, and I remember I was walking, and there was another kid like teasing me, but not like in a like bully way, just making funny jokes. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was behind me, so I'm just gonna give him a nice little shove. And when I turned around, because I thought he was behind me, he turned around, and there was a girl, <laughs> and I literally like, pushed her right in her chest. And I'm like, so like, I groped her on axe, obviously. I'm like, oh, holy shit, I'm so sorry. And that was a moment. I was like, all right, fly away. Yeah, go away. Just leave your body. I mean, when you're, when you're a kid. Oh, yeah. That's, it was just the placement, you know? Maybe he knew. Yeah. <laughs> Get a, yeah. Teenage kids can be so mean, but also so, like, diabolical. I don't know. That was embarrassing. But, you know, no harm, no foul. Now that girl has a hashtag me too story. Oh, boy. Guarantee you that girl probably doesn't remember that, right? Probably not. Maybe it's, like, one of the greatest moments of her life. I got groped by half a host from the 103 Simpsons podcast. I am a lesbian. (laughs) Thank you for confirming it, Craig. Knowing that the man's touch is far worse than the supple feel of a woman. (laughs) 
in the theater, Homer and the kids are watching Left Below, a He Is Risen production. The movie features a man, Mr. Thompson, who has lost his faith. I wish you'd come to church with us, sweetheart. Church? I'd rather play golf on the holiest day of the week. Finally, a character I can relate to. I bet good things happen to him. But honey, with recent troubles in the Mideast and other ominous signs, the rapture could soon be upon us. The rapture? Easy there, Helen. Science has shown religion is just an old wives' tale. <gasps> I'm sorry, but the only thing I'm praying for is that you take it easy on our credit cards. As Mr. Thompson is making out with not his wife, there's a flash. And then his Christian limo driver, an old lady, and the baptized one of two children are among those who are suddenly missing. And the rapture is happening. And the rest are left below. So this is a take on the book series and eventual movie Left Behind, which was released in 2000, starring everyone's favorite pal of boner, Kirk Cameron. <laughs> That's right. It was remade in 2014, starring Nicolas Cage and Leah Thompson. Mm -hmm. uh, Steve, I know you've watched these movies and read these books. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I've always been kind of curious of these Kirk Cameron movies. Like, is this what it is? Kind of is. Like, I've seen clips of them because, like, way back in the day, I lived in a house that didn't have cable. The internet was shoddy, so sometimes i just go on tangents and watch TV. And this was in the early 2000s when uh, Kirk Cameron was really prevalent on those channels. And I remember he was, like, making ads for this, and I'd see clips from it. And it is just crazy. You'd even say it's bananas, which is a nice segue, because there's also this show that he used to do where he would talk with his older Christian pastor or whatever, and uh, they talked about how the banana proved that evolution wasn't real. And then they would, like, deep-throat a banana, and it was weird. <laughs> wait, wait, they deep throat a banana yeah basically like the way that it has a handle and you could like eat it with your mouth without touching it was like proof that it was made for man and not a monkey i don't really know their logic behind it but then they stick their mouth on it and it looked like they're deep throating it that's funny steve do you think mm -hmm. we should do a uh, left behind mini series podcast we'll review the movies i don't know if i could watch it i'd probably like i don't know if i'd be interested or i'd probably fall asleep but does the rapture actually happens and then like the left behind series it's like the marvel movies it's a thanos snap and then half the population goes away probably more than half because you know we're all sinners in god's eye and so only the truly pious are left below i mean i don't think i would go because I, I i say bad words <laughs> and i fornicate although i'm married so you're fine i would think that kirk cameron probably would go to hell too because he's profiting off the uh that's a good point but uh, how does how does he sleep at night comfortably on a bed with several women with his wife candace cameron <laughs> yep and that hockey player too pavel bure that's right she married a pav she's not married to pavel bure she's married to his brother the not as good bure hockey player yeah she's kind of like him too right hashtag him too i don't think so actually I think that she's actually fairly not religious openly, at least. Yeah. But I could be wrong. Uh, I did find it interesting in the uh, movie that Mr. Thompson's girlfriend only referred to him as Mr. Thompson. I think it's weird to make out with somebody and not use their <laughs> first name. Like, can you be like, oh, Mr. Jacobson. Oh, kiss me. <laughs> Maybe that's his kink, though. Maybe he requests that. Maybe. I just... It's weird. I don't like it. And I gotta <laughs> say, uh, uh, Mr. Thompson's girlfriend, quite endowed. She was a cutie. Was, she may have been would... left behind, but she sure was blessed. Uh, we uh, then see the rest of the world suffering, including a Buddhist monk, a woman who put her faith in science and technology, and a man <laughs> who, you can't see my finger quotes, but here they are, chose to be gay. Everyone knows you can't do that, but of course, Kirk Cameron assumes you can, while he deep throats a banana. There you go. Uh, this movie haunts Homer, not unlike Cannonball 2. And that night in bed, Homer shares his fears with his wife. Marge offers him some comfort. 
Marge, what if the rapture is coming and I haven't led a good enough life? I could be left below. Now, sweetie, don't worry. God wouldn't spring the rapture on us unannounced. He'd send us signs, like, I don't know, all the dogs getting on a spaceship and leaving. Yeah, I'll bet the cats would be psyched about that. <laughs> Thanks, Marge. You've put my mind at ease. Oh, how about a little rapture for Mama? Ooh, I could be the Rachel to your Jacob. Okay, but it's tough for me not to think about their hardship. The couple then fuck. So as Homer's driving through town, he realizes that if the rapture were coming, there would be signs. Then the signs are come. A devil appears at his window telling him to follow him. Homer drives off scared and we see that the devil was just a mascot for the failing in and out devil food cakes. Okay, I've got some issue with this. First of all, why was it called in and out devil food cakes? In and out is clearly an established thing where, you know, they're in and out burgers and, and they're actually religious, which isn't really relevant, but it is kind of coincidental. But they're called in and out devil cakes and also i realize that devil food cake is kind of the joke of the whole thing but how are you going to sustain a business just selling devil food cake it's a cartoon it's your answer for everything Homer then sees blood raining from the sky, which turns out to be a harpooned whale being transported via helicopter and being followed by the sea captain. <gasps> blood is raining from the sky! Hang on there, big fella. We'll save ya. This ain't personal. I just love to scrimshaw. So this whole sequence, uh, it bothered me, Steve. Uh, you don't like helicopters? How do they fly? It doesn't make sense. It's like a bumblebee somehow. I don't know. Uh, the Transformers movie has nothing to do with this, Steve. Uh, the look on the sperm whale's face was so depressing. Yeah, it, and, it really bummed me out, too. And uh, Sea Captain is now Air Captain. He was kind of a dick. Yeah. You know, you're the Sea Captain. You're not the Air Captain. Oh. If there was an air pirate. <laughs> he would be the captain now. Sky captain in the world of the Simpsons tomorrow. I don't know. That's a more obscure reference, but a better joke. So Not really. But yeah, it, it was gross, and I hated the sound of the blood. Yeah. So this freaks Homer out even more. So he goes to Gospel for Less Christian Bookstore to buy all the rapture literature he can get his hands on. You think the title for the bookstore was uh, Good Simpsons? Meh. Yeah. Gospel for Less. It's, it is what it yeah. is. It's a right. discount Christian store. But I, if you literally saw that driving down the road, you wouldn't be like, <laughs> it's, it's just a store. Does he want the discount? The Friends of Flanders <laughs> discount? He just refuses it. Like, well, you could just say yes. Yeah, I mean, it seems like he just offers it to everybody because he probably right. doesn't know who Homer is. So you could just be like, yeah, and then you get like 10% off. Should, if we were to ever own a store, should we <laughs> make that a suggestion? Would you like the Friends of Flanders discount? Yeah. <laughs> I love the 1989, the year of Armageddon. There's so many of those books out there of oh, yeah. the end of the world. Uh, they're not all true, Steve. They're not all true. Well, so far, none of them are. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. You think? Back at the Simpsons home, Marge has made a pretty little wig for Lisa and a handsome toupee for Bart. After she's putting the leftover hair back in the freezer, she sees Homer is it himself. Homer, you didn't touch your second dinner tonight. And you're reading books. Word books. What's going on? Marge, the rapture is nigh. These books will help me figure out how nigh. This whole deal is scientifically proven. The book of Revelations has 404 verses. Add the number of people at the Last Supper. Minus the number of Filipinos in the Bible. And you get three million one hundred and three fifteen p.m. May eighteenth. That's when the rapture will begin. May eighteenth. That's one week from today. <gasps> A week. That's 
seven days from now. So back to the hair thing. Mm-hmm. She saves all the kids' hairs. You know. Yeah, why didn't you do that with my hair, Craig? Who says I don't have it in the freezer? But then I'll uh, <laughs> take it over like that episode of Chaos of Horror, and then you'll rob banks. Or actually, it's me, so you'd probably just go drink a mocha or get yeah. some coffee. <laughs> The rapture is nigh at 3.15 on May 18th of the year that this was. And that's next Wednesday. So Homer dons a sandwich board and hits the town to warn the people of the impending apocalypse. Kent Brockman is even reporting on Homer. There's no way in God's heaven I should get into God's heaven. But maybe he'll let me in if I warn others the apocalypse is coming, as I previously shouted. I see. Well, we have 30 seconds left. Any other cuckoo yip yap? Uh, oh, here's one. Revelation 6.13. Just before the rapture, the stars will fall to the earth. So all you hippies out there might want to... For that one. <laughs> there you have it, folks. And if I can make a prediction of my own, this weekend's Springfield Lettuce Festival is going to be bigger and better than ever. We've got romaine, iceberg, radicchio, and everyone's favorite, baby bib. Even a few cabbages are getting in on the fun. In that clip, I really like the term that Kent uses, cuckoo yip-yap. It's a term you use almost every day, I think. Cuckoo yip-yap you. Let's all start saying that. Hashtag cuckoo yip-yap. I like it. Let's remember that. Uh, the Simpsons family pleads with Homer to give the left below stuff a rest. They're skeptical. They sit down to enjoy some TV time and watch Krusty the Clown's celebrity salute to specials. We see the Duff celebrity blimp is impaled by America's favorite waste of taxpayer dollars, the Blue Angels. Steve, have we seen them do a Blue Angels joke before? We have in the... I'm going to mess up the titles. I'm not going to even try, but it's the Sideshow Bob episode where they go to the airbase. Right, that's what I was thinking. And the Blue Angels come, Marge has a headache, Homer bought her some cigarettes because they were out of aspirin. <laughs> and what's funny is that the Blue Angels music in that episode is Rock You Like a Hurricane ah. in the Voldemort episode two weeks ago. Steve's favorite band, the Scorpions. Here we go, let's play it. Rock you like a that's a great song. Is that even a song? And in the Celebrity Blimp, we get to see caricatures from previous celebrity appearances on The Simpsons, including Ron Howard in his bathrobe, mm-hmm. uh, Bette Midler. Oh, and we get David Crosby slash John Spolsolder. They look pretty much alike, so I don't know which one it was supposed to be. Probably <laughs> David Crosby. I'm assuming it's Crosby. Uh, this means the stars are falling to the earth, as Homer predicted, and all of Los Lobos are dead. The townspeople of Springfield go to Homer for some help. Homer, you were right. That must mean you were right about the rapture, too. Yeah, I was wondering if you could help save my soul. I've done stuff I ain't proud of. And the stuff I am proud of is disgusting. Well, what are we supposed to do on Wednesday? Lie naked on our roof? Because that girl school says I can't do that no more. When the time comes, we won't be in our homes. Because we're all gonna go here. That's Springfield Mesa. It's 15 miles north, past the Warren Harding Memorial through hole. Exactly. It came to me in a vision. Or maybe it was a drunken haze. Or possibly an ice cream headache. Well, 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 looks like someone's having a pre-rapture party. No, Flanders, it's a meeting of gay witches for abortion. You wouldn't be interested. Gay Witch Abortion is an awesome rock and roll band out of the Twin Cities, as recommended to us by friend of the show, Timothy. Shout out to Timothy there. Yes, thank you for the rec. I actually listened to them last night. I thoroughly enjoy them. Is the band a Simpsons band, or is it just, just a coincidence? No, I think they may be named after them, because 
because their one and only album that I could find came out in 2009, so four years after this. So I figure they saw this episode, were inspired by an A, fun band, and then finally released an album. All right, well, Gay Witch Abortion, if you want to write a theme to this podcast, you're more than welcome to. We will not pay you. There we go. On the day of the supposed rapture, Homer has set up a heaven or bust bus to take people to the me- to the Mesa and suggest a buddy system for all of eternity. Lisa is still skeptical, but Homer has a good feeling about this and that nobody in the Simpsons family will be left behind. Except, of course, poor Grandpa. Poor Grandpa. He kept running, chasing the bus, mm-hmm. and then just gave up. He was almost <laughs> there. He was made into the yeah. desert. Right. He was close. Also, this is like the third episode that we've had where the Simpsons go into like the desert yeah. or like, you know, a dry western area where it's is. I was watching the commentary of this and they kind of said like the design of the Mesa was inspired by Close Encounters. So at the Mesa people are holding up balloons excitedly but as the time comes they are disappointed. So they all have the balloons are fully full of air <laughs> and then mm-hmm. as soon as like they wait hours they're all deflated but yet they're still floating in the air. <laughs> I did notice that <laughs> and some of them are even less they're like malformed and shriveled, yeah. but they're still in the air inexplicably. Maybe those aren't strings and Homer tied them to just like some wire, not some wire. Like wire. But... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, some like stick. Yeah, it makes sense. If you ever throw a party and you don't want to buy helium balloons, just get some wire and blow the balloons with your air and tie them to that. That is a good call. Another option is just realize that you're an adult and <laughs> don't have balloons. You don't have balloons when you have parties? You always have balloons. No, I just have booze. Oh, okay. well. You can buy more booze with your balloon money. The townspeople went back to their homes, dejected. Way to go, Noster dumbass. Yes, the next day, the residents of Springfield are upset with our protagonist, Dolph, Kearney, and Jimbo, beat him up repeatedly, and Homer <laughs> is most surprised to see that his favorite bar has been changed to Tokyo Rose Sushi Bar. Oh, what happened to your eponymous tavern? Yeah, funny thing that. Um, you said the end was coming, so I sold the bar to some Japanese businessmen and gave the money to charity. Now them orphans got new skip ropes, and I end every day smelling like eel. Cats are all over me. Thank you, though. You did me a solid. I did enjoy the bullies just in the conversation. Let's just go to Moe's and keep beating me up. Mm-hmm. But it worked because, you know, they kept beating him up, but then they weren't into, they weren't into Moe's. So yeah, I like they, when they got there, the, the door just, they just walked away. They just walked away like, uh, oh, we're done. Is the title of Tokyo Rose Sushi Bar, uh, is that? I mean, they're referring to Jane Fonda, I think. Oh, okay. Tokyo Rose was a name that journalists or somebody called... Jane Fonda during the Vietnam War as she showed her uh, disdain for the war. Okay. And right. so they felt felt that they had, uh, she had sympathy for the Vietnamese, although I don't know why you'd call her Tokyo Rose because Vietnam is nowhere near Tokyo. Well, we didn't grow up through those times. Bad times. Luckily, we've, uh, <laughs> we're a much more evolved country now. We have no more <laughs> racism and no more, right. uh, yeah. But alas, we are not a political podcast. No. Uh, the people of the restaurant taunt Homer and throw sushi at him, which causes him to bark like a seal, which I thought that was kind of cute. And in hopes for mm-hmm. some food land in his mouth and someone with a temper was being a little, uh, your arm broken. <laughs> I like how you sold Moe's to Japanese businessmen and then donated all the money to charity, which was cute. But he's, you know, of course, expecting the end times. But I got to say that the right. Tokyo businessmen let Mo still work at that establishment. Yeah, it's nice of them to give he's him a job. 
job. Skill set. I also exactly. He can cut sushi, which is great. I also really enjoy the animation of the cat yeah. grasping onto his arm. I thought that was really good. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, very nice. Uh, Homer retires to home and begins to throw out all of his rapture literature. While doing so, he realizes he has made a mistake, as Jesus was also at the Last Supper, which causes him to review his calculations. Steve, I don't want to be a little nitpicky here, but he's still wrong. Mm-hmm. Many people like to think that the sign of the beast is the number of the beast is six six six, when in actuality the number of the beast is six one six. Just uh, throwing out there a little religious trivia for you. I did not know that. Um, I don't know where the six 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 came from. We all just assume six six six, right? I'm not sure who started that. I don't know either. But did you know that six one six is also the area code in Western Michigan? Hell, Michigan. A place in Michigan. <laughs> so I was just looking up. I think it might be. So that's fun. Maybe that's why it's called Hell, Michigan. Then, right? Could be. Steve, I love you. Satan lives there. Oh. John Satan. He runs a local deli. He's a nice guy. Married, yep. three kids. Oldest one's going to Harvard in the fall. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Tributes a lot. Goes to church every Sunday. He's a, <laughs> he's a pious man. He's a swell dude. Anyway. Good old Satan. Gotta love <laughs> Satan. So he recalculates and he discovers that the rapture is coming in exactly 15 minutes. Homer wakes his family, but his family is not into it and they just want to go to bed. And I really liked when he's waking up everybody, especially Maggie coming out of the bedroom with, with a sleeping cap and a baby with a candle is always good. Kind of sassy and angry. Yeah, that was a very cute scene. I enjoyed that as well. There's a little nitpicky thing I have here of continuity. Okay. Where Homer comes up to the hallway and the lights are mm-hmm. off, but then he turns the lights on in the hallway oh. and everyone's like, no, we're going to back to bed. The lights are on. You know, Bart's got his fishing gear, all that stuff. They all go back mm-hmm. to several rooms and it ends with Maggie blowing out the candle and all of a sudden the lights turn off with that blowed out candle as well. Oh, so no weird. Actually shut the lights off because if you see in the scene, the light switch is still on. And it's also weird here too. I want to say this is weird. Oh yeah. The I, I'm looking at it now, yeah. There's light switches in the hallway Everywhere. to each door. Is that a mm-hmm. thing? Like there's the light switches Not on on the outside of the of bedroom. Room. Like that's right. kind of weird. Yeah. But that's weird, not weird to me because that actually makes more sense because you're going into your room, maybe turn it on. There should be like a two-way. No, because that would annoy people if like if like you're sleeping like or Lisa's sleeping and Bart could just like keep flicking on Lisa's light all the time just to piss her off. Yeah, it's true. The house that they built in Arizona to resemble the Simpsons house had light switches on the outside? I think so, yeah. Probably, I mean, well, probably not, because this is uh, after that house was built. But still, stupid Simpsons animators. So, I hope somebody got fired for that blender. <laughs> Homer then decides to drive to the rapture himself to see the rapture. The time comes and appears that he was right. Homer transcends this mortal coil, naked as the day he was born, into the skies where he passes, quotes, Earth, so beautiful with its many rings into heaven. While in heaven, he's introduced to a concierge who sounds a lot like Julio, who we've met before. Homer Simpson, welcome to heaven! Now let's get you some clothes, huh? I'm comfortable like this. Yeah, well, this is heaven for everyone. This is our nature walk, our pedicure hut, our state-of-the-art showroom, tonight featuring Los Lobos. And over there is our water slide that's coming next year. It's going to be super fantastic. How come it's not open yet? (sighs) Look, just don't use leprechaun labor, okay? Don't do it. Homer inquires about the state of his family, and we see that Springfield is flooded in a lake of fire. Bart is being chased by locusts. Maggie is being attacked by a possessed teddy bear. And Marge is being taunted by Satan, but not the one from Michigan. Homer then takes an escalator to see God to save his family. We see the 
by a finger deity at his desk, and All Might explains that he knows a family suffering. Lord, you got a first-class destination resort here. Really top-notch. But I can't enjoy myself knowing my family is suffering. Oh, don't tell me about family suffering. My son went down to Earth once. I don't know what you people did to him. But he hasn't been the same since. I uh, love that image of Jesus sadly spinning in the swing. I feel like as a kid, we've all done that, where we just kind of spin our bodies around and spin on the swing. Kind of sad. As a kid, more like every other day for me. Oh, you know, the swing's got rope. You can solve some problems. <laughs> Are you saying to hang myself? Learn how to tie a noose and hang yourself. All right, well, Homer goes crazy, wreaking havoc on heaven, which is funny. He was trashing a, uh, pushing down a garbage can, which here's the thing, too. When they toured heaven and the water slide wasn't fixed and then julio says well what is called julio it says uh right imagine anything and it's and it you know will appear why couldn't homer just imagine a uh, a, a water slide <laughs> that works and why is there garbage in heaven like just like after you eat like a snickers bar just imagine that wrapper to disappear mm. and why would there be a wrapper in heaven it's a Look good at point you tupac <laughs> know, that kind of wrapper uh so he yeah. was uh, stealing frisbees knocking over trash cans and interrupting leo I was about to say Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> but Leo <laughs> da Vinci painted D. Martin. One of the visual gags I did like was the security the security mm-hmm. angels riding ATVs. That was that was pretty funny. Oh yeah, yeah. I like Dean Martin just like squandered my talent. I had sixty eight hours. Which I think, you know, like at least 53 were all best ofs. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's got to sing Mac the Knife, and it can't just be Bobby Darren. Every album had that's a Mori on it, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Anyways, Homer and God then make a deal, much like Wayne Brady. There you go. What do you want, Homer? Just send me back to Earth and put off this whole rapture hoop de doo for another couple of years or so. But it's already started. To do what you're asking, I'd have to turn back time. Superman did it. Fine, Mr. Smarty Pants. I will undo the apocalypse. Thank. Listen, could you do me one more favor? You want me to help you with your alcoholism? No, I'm in a good place with that. Why don't you just take these pamphlets? Yeah, I'll definitely read those later. God then says, do ex machina, and Homer wakes up. If you're curious, the term do ex machina is defined as an unexpected power or event saving a seamlessly hopeless situation, especially as a contrived plot device in a play, novel, or adult sitcom that's been on for 30 years. Homer then wakes up, and at first he's back in reality, and he thinks he has wings, but that's just a seagull he was sitting on. I don't know what appearance this is for God. He's made a couple appearances, though. Yeah, um, I think it's probably like two or three, but yeah, I mean, religion has always played a big part of the Simpsons, and scholars and critics alike have wrote about the Simpsons' relationship with the spiritual world. Right, and of course he does have the five fingers and five toes on each hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I watched this a couple of times, I kind of felt like like, uh, well, I guess we can talk about that later. Are we done yeah. with the episode? Just about. So, after being reunited with his family, Homer rushes to see that Moe's is back to what it used to be. We then see him in the center of the bar as the other patrons and him recreate the Last Supper. And, end credits, Los Lobos takes us out. Alright, we'll be right back.
And we're back, Steve. Let's finish up this episode with some reviews, some of our favorite quotes and our tattoos. Mm-hmm. Our game, And we'll find out what we're watching next week. Steve, I got a review here. Okay, let's hear it. One of my many reviews from TV.com. This one was posted on December 9th, 2005. Okay. So just a few months after this episode air. Written by TV-Gal12. Subject post is very funny, LOL. No caps were used in the making of this review. <laughs> I loved it when... W-E-N. Homer was in heaven. Exclamation point. That guy tells him he can wish number four summit as U-M-M-A-T. And it happens, no questions asked, and he makes his head blow up, LOL, two exclamation points. And that guy gets him a room near the kiddies pool as payback, period. (laughs) Homer destroying, no apostrophe after the N. Homer destroying everything, no apostrophe after the N and everything. In heaven was a bit funny, but he makes a fine example that heaven isn't. She actually put the apostrophe in the isn't heaven without your family (laughs) dot 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 but he could have minus the e wished them to heaven you know exclamation point interesting thoughts from an interesting person um how about some trivia then yes uh well for one don Payne was nominated for a writers guild of america award for outstanding writing and animation at the 58th writers guild of america awards for the script for this episode oh r.i.p don Payne. indeed but he probably lost right probably i know it's not trivia and i think simpsons fans know it of course god is the only being in the simpsons universe that has five fingers and Five mm-hmm. toes when you said that before. Here's my wild fan theory that God, I'm doing the quotes, is actually a very old Matt Groening and he's let oh. his beard go down and, and it's just him <laughs> talking to his creation. See, I don't know if that's true because they show pictures of his feet and they're perfectly fine. Are you saying that they're not gross and stinky and there's a nice 16 year old girl massaging them? Yeah. <laughs> I have a bit of fun trivia, not really fun trivia at all. It's a, it's a, it's a connection. Oh. So I'm, I'm watching this episode. It's a it's a read between the lines type of thing, just because all this Epstein stuff is coming out. Who's connected mm-hmm. with Epstein? And the commentary for this episode, Matt's talking about how he went to some sort of uh, thing that Steve Jobs was talking about. Because the audio commentary for this episode was recorded in 2012, and Steve mm-hmm. was still alive. I wish that Steve was still alive, and another <laughs> Steve's not. Spielberg. No, I'm talking about you. Hashtag me too. So speaking of which, and someone made the comment of like, oh, look at Matt Groening here, hobnobbing with Steve Jobs, and you know, highfalutin lifestyle right mm-hmm. and for some reason i forgot how the segue happened was there must have been some sort of presidential comment and they asked matt like <laughs> have you met any of the presidents and he oh. says the only president i've met was bill clinton mm-hmm. Oh, so was Matt and Bill on the same airplane together with the Epstein airplane? So I just thought that was kind of an interesting. No, it seems to uh, I was be just very waiting, possible. I was just waiting for that moment when Matt said, "I met Bill Clinton only once on an airplane." Then I would have been like, "Holy shit!" But it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that being that's... said, there's nothing to say that Matt Groening did anything wrong. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, the way it sounds like it was he's on Epstein's plane, and some girl that he doesn't know the age, he's not going to ask. He just assumes it's probably like one of his hired people. servants people right and so it was just like he's sitting there and he's like all right would you like a foot massage and everything's like yeah go give him this foot massage you know and he's like oh mm-hmm. okay he's not expecting it that's why his feet were all gross like feet are super gross sorry quentin tarantino yeah. no it's absolutely true <laughs> it's uh i'm not a foot person if you're a foot person go ahead and uh, hashtag us at uh hashtag foot clan there you go that's for other turtles podcast oh yeah uh, and that's what it seems like to me. I mean, 
I mean, we're tr- are we defending our, our creator? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but the, also... The girl that just claimed it was like he had smelly feet, which is what, like 98% of the population in this country? Yeah, exactly. All right. That's what I'm assuming. It was like, all right, well, okay, I guess. There you go. So other trivia. Thank God it's Doomsday is a reference to the popular saying, thank God it's Friday. Uh, some of the books that we didn't talk about that Homer was reading about the rapture. Titles were The Rapture for Dummies, Tuesdays <laughs> with Maury in Hell, and Any Day Now. Nice. I like the Tuesdays with Maury in Hell. And according to the floating clocks in God's office, the time in heaven is one hour behind the time in London. Since London would be observing British summertime in May, this would indicate that heaven uses the GMT. <laughs> I'm sure that's not what the animators intended. No. But this is what some fan had to write on tv.com but that does make me think about time and time zones and like how selfish it is of homer to think when he's doing his equations that oh it's gonna be 315 on this date where i'm at now (laughs) we'll get into this right now with our review but i can understand why people can see this episode like this would be like a treehouse a horror episode where he meets god you know it's just right but again you're right it's it's homer's mind that all this is happening Mm -hmm. he just passed out on a rock and times didn't really happen right so if anything, has... it just speaks to how stupid the people of Springfield are, where they listen to him and be like, oh, that's a possibility. We should go to the Mesa because that'll change something somehow. So it bothered, like, the first time I watched this, I'm like, I was, you know, weirded out by the, the third act of visiting heaven. But then I was thinking mm-hmm. about it, you're right, he just passes out. Right. And envisions all this. So he apparently has an issue with Dean Martin. <laughs> um and that's why things don't make sense in heaven like we mentioned before like why can't you just wish for a new water slide and, and it's just his subconscious working out and I'm thinking you know maybe he's thinking that time he went to the water park and got stuck and Julio's in his mind you know because well I don't, he hasn't had his gay affair yet but you know it's common right but he's met God on several occasions and Homer's the only one who has met God by the way it's true uh, God in his fantasy which has the five fingers on, and five toes on each hand and leg that being said I think the episode started off is it one of those Simpsons episodes where it starts off strong in the third act? You're just like, you kind of tuned out? A little bit, yeah. Um, making notes for this, I did have like, I mean, I paid attention just fine because there's like no B story. And so it just is what it is. And it kind of ends up quickly. But I just uh, I just didn't really feel it for me, at least. Uh, good call for noticing the no, uh, the non-B story. I mean, I would have liked a little pollen in, in this and honey. Some Jerry Seinfeld. Some Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, yeah, you're right. The Last week's episode, which was Midsummer's. Midsummer's Nice Dream had a quick B story with the crazy cat lady, or I just like to say the cray cat lady. Mm-hmm. I guess there was too much to put in. Even they didn't have the chalkboard gag. Yeah. They had to cut that. I guess there wasn't really room for a B story. It's it, it's the, the Simpsons story where they, they start off with a long intro with the, the kids getting the haircut just to build up to that movie. Mm-hmm. And then the story begins. That's why they don't really have to have a B story. Yeah, this episode to me was some chuckles. The fight with Lisa and Bart, I thought was fine. Like I said, I enjoyed Jesus on the swing. Another thing from the uh, audio commentary when I was watching it was they always kind of pitched this idea of Homer declaring that the end is near. Mm -hmm. And they just didn't know how to end the episode. And I think it was Ian Max... uh, Max Tone Grimm? It was Ian Max Tone Grimm. They said the commentary suggested that uh, he meets with God at the end to reverse the rapture. Hmm. And they're like, can we do that? And they were just like, yeah, it's 
cartoon. <laughs> but I think that was the whole idea was just that, you know, interp- the fans can interpret it. Oh, it's just a dream. And it was. I mean, that's how I interpreted it. Me too. Yeah. The second time around. The first time around, I was like, wait, did this happen, man? Whoa. Then I realized uh, some of that uh, excess bong hits from the last episode was still on my brain <laughs> and I had to go away. I'm so stoned from the last episode. Totally, man. What do we rate this episode? Oh, I'm just going through some stuff. Real okay, quick. sure. Notice some personal stuff. I'm going through real quick. You'll be okay. It's fine. <laughs> I know I just realized we didn't do the quotes and tattoos. We usually then go to the review. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll bring that in in a second. Okay. So for reviewing out of this episode, uh, for what are we going to review this have? Let's go with uh, the original right correct number of the sign of the beast, which is 616. I'm going <laughs> to give this episode a 311. Out of 616. Okay. Well, so we're going to go way back to earlier in our podcast when we were giving away Bart spikes because Bart got a haircut and he normally has nine (laughs) spikes that we agreed on. And uh, this episode uh, wasn't uh, a hit for me. And it's not quite as bad as Voldemort. uh, Not as bad as Voldemort. And it's not as low as the number of Filipinos in the Bible. <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention that was a funny, funny yeah. line. Yeah, uh, I assume because uh, Filipinos are because of missionaries, devoutly Christian in large parts of their community. But I'm going to give it three out of nine Bart spikes. Is that how many Bart spikes were left on Bart's head after the shavening? I <laughs> I enjoy shavening a lot. Um, <laughs> yes, I believe so. It was, uh, I think we can agree on this episode. It's, I mean, I had the DVD and it's not like one of those, you know, you put it on the like all play or whatever. And mm-hmm. you just like have it on the background. It's not, it's not an episode I would seek out. No, it's not like an egregiously offensive episode there's not really any huge quotable moments that we would use in our everyday vernacular do i recommend people watching it well watch it if you want to but if you just listen to us telling you the story or the synopsis you got the jokes mm-hmm. we put the clips in save your time save some money oh yeah. even though this podcast is probably longer than the is actually longer than the actual episode <laughs> it's a pass yeah it's a pass for me as well but i'm but... not super bored like a certain episode that's right i mean there are worse episodes that we've reviewed and there'll probably be worse episodes that we will come upon. Just like our friend Timothy told us on Instagram. And speaking of quotes, well, I wasn't really speaking of quotes at all, Steve. I yeah. just need to segue. We forgot to do our favorite quotes and tats for this episode. I'm going to say my favorite quote was the during the movie. The Left Below. The Left Below was when it was random quotes from people that were quote unquote sinning. And, <laughs> and the guy's like, I chose to be gay. <laughs> that was a pretty funny one because, as we know, being gay is not a choice, people. But apparently, Kirk Cameron thinks it is. That's right. I also thought in that, uh, that was also in my top list of favorite quotes. That I also like the uh, the woman saying, I can't believe we I put all my faith in science and technology. <laughs> that, if the rapture actually happened, that would be me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so that's my quote. How about you? Uh, so my quote is, when Homer finally takes off his sandwich board, and he's like, in a world gone mad, only a lunatic is true insane that quote could actually pass as your tattoo as well if you just had that 
inscribed on your sleeve there. That's a good point. I can do that in like some old English script. Right, right. Speaking of tattoos, then what's your tattoo? Well, I have some runners up. First runner up being uh, Maggie in the sleep cap and candle, uh, just because she looks so angry and cute. And then the uh, demon teddy bear when they were rotting in hell. But my winner, and uh, we've talked about it a bit, but it's uh, Sad Jesus on a Swing. Do you think that the way technology is advancing, that eventually we can get gifts tattooed on <laughs> our body because that would be a great tattoo gif of Jesus oh yeah move your arm or wherever you're, you put the tat around and it's some swinging mm-hmm. i'll just put it like on my butt cheeks and then when <laughs> i walk it'll look like it's swinging back and forth i did like the maggie and her sleeping cap that was one of mine and it did allude earlier that maybe the the couch gag with the mo family mm-hmm. but i'm a fan of the big giant back tattoos and i gotta go with the mo's bar as the Last Supper. Oh, very nice. That'd be a great tattoo. Mm-hmm. All right. Tell us what your tattoo would be, I guess, right? I don't know. Yeah, let us know on Twitter or the Instagram at 138Simpsons or email us at 138Simpsons at gmail.com. Steve, this episode was pretty heavy on the religious, and they've, the Simpsons have done a lot of religious episodes. Mm-hmm. Should we do a little look back at our favorite religious episodes? Does this episode rank up with some of our favorites? Yeah, let's look at some of those religious episodes from episodes past. Let's see how this one compares. The first one that comes to mind for me is uh, Homer versus Lisa and the Eighth Commandment. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Lisa gets mad at Homer for stealing cable. This, of course, comes from season two, and Lisa is upset because stealing is a sin. You know, as a kid, this one really got to me, too, because I wasn't religious, but thinking about it always kind of, you know, scared me. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting where the Simpsons have come from. If How would modern Lisa deal with this if this was done in, <laughs> in the lens of 2019? Because she, we know she's not a Christian anymore. And also, we all steal cable. Like, <laughs> Like, I mean, in one way or another, we all share oh, each other's, that, like, We share Netflix. the Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Lose. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, Netflix says you can have, like, eight accounts. That's true. So they're saying, go ahead. Also, they're giving money to, like, everybody else to make a TV show except for us. I mean, come on. Yeah. Why don't we have a special, Steve? If we got a, a show based on our podcast, <laughs> we would just say yes and not ruin it like other podcasts have. Speaking of the Doughboys. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, but did you, did you, were you a fan of Homer versus Lisa? the eighth commandment yeah i mean that one's a pretty classic one i'm just thinking about the episode in my mind and it's pretty classic although i have to say that season four homer the heretic might stand out more in my mind which is the one where uh homer goes to or stops going to church i mean you have the moon waffle you have him is the warm cuddly teddy bear in a bed who has to take a whiz it's the first appearance of god that's right but that scene with the yeah right in bed like isn't that like you watch that scene like wait i need to turn this off and do that right now in my bed (laughs) Yeah, and as somebody with a partner, the fact that they're dead, that he's dead center in the bed, is such a good feeling too. Like I don't know about you, but like I go to work after Laura does, and so when she when she gets out of bed to go to work, I'll always pull in the middle of a bed and just enjoy it like that. So that's what I get to do every day. Even when I didn't have a partner, I always slept on the side of the bed. Oh really? I've never actually slept in the middle of the bed. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Is that weird? No, I don't think so. I mean, I would do that too, but there's something uh, nice about being able to take the rest of the bed when somebody leaves. Next episode that I could think of religion was The Joy of Sect. 13th episode of the season 9. It's uh, the majority of Springfield, Homer and the company are lured to the movementarian cult by a slick pamphlet and tantalizing promises. That of course is very quotable with leader. And that's also a very jerk ass Homer too. It is. 
but I kind of forgive it just because it's a really fun episode. It's it's a fun episode, but it's also kind of an episode if I want to watch some like classic Golden Age. Mm-hmm. I might skip over sometimes. I think it has that feeling of the third act kind of falling down. I, Again, it's been a while since I've seen that episode. Yeah, I mean, you might be right. I just remember it fondly because of the flying bicycles. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it, but I can understand how one would maybe not think of it as the most classic of episodes. Okay, so Lisa the Skeptic, that's why I wanted to bring up too in oh, this yeah. episode. Because it kind of had that same feeling where everyone from Springfield goes to see the angel. That episode, I'm actually a fan of Lisa the, the Skeptic, of course. Me too, it's with from the season, uh, season, it's for season nine as well wow mm-hmm. two two kind of religious wow. episodes yeah there's that moment in lisa the skeptic that i really like where like the acting like year, yearly and julie do as oh yeah like just like where she the animation like it was so human where she grabs marge's hand mm-hmm. and very touching scene like she is like wait maybe i've been wrong this whole time and here i am at the end yeah that was that's a really uh beautiful episode and i know we might harp on this a little bit but that episode had a lot of heart to it which is one of my favorite things the Simpsons do is hard. Right. And maybe this one doesn't so much. No. I'm also thinking about the one where Krusty discovers his faith and we get Jackie Mason playing his father. Very emotional episode. We did one earlier with Homerland thinking he was Muslim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little stretch. I remember now, that. Here's one that I am not a fan of and that's from season 10 which we don't have to review this and guys Simpsons Bible Stories I wasn't a fan oh, of that episode no I'll go and say that I'd rather watch Voldemort over some of those like let's tell three stories Simpsons episodes yeah the the non Treehouse trilogies right. are really rough uh, Simpsons Tall Tales Simpsons Bible Stories there's probably others but man I think the only thing I, I think it's from Simpsons Bible Stories the only thing that I can I don't know if it's from that one but it's is it from the the only joke I remember was it was the Trojan horse was that Bible Stories one where I think it was Lenny said like yeah let's ram them with this Trojan horse and it, I forget the quote was like let's hope they remember the term Trojan while ramming you I don't it was something like yeah that. do you that? I, I do was, I don't think that was from the Bible story though they're right it wasn't because I know when the, the Bible was and I know when the, <laughs> and I don't know that the uh, Bible so, and the Trojan horse happen at the same they time. Don't, they don't know. <laughs> uh, we'll edit that out. Uh, so yeah, the uh, the Bible, Simpsons Bible story. You had the Homer and Marge, the Adam and Eve story. Then you had the slave school slaves with. <laughs> The Moses, oh right, Millhouse's moment, Moses, then King Solomon, Homer, and then David and Goliath too. Which that one, I remember that one was also disturbing. That like didn't like Ralph get eaten by Goliath or something? Yeah, or something like that. But then like the, he came back. I don't know. Just what I'm just not a fan of that. Yeah. We'll get to it eventually because I think it's from season 11, but uh, going to Praise Land when uh, Ned builds a amusement park. Wasn't there an episode with, which I think we're going to get to as well. It's Faith Off. I just looked it up here. It's where Bart becomes a healer. Oh, yeah. I remember even as a kid not liking that episode. There, there's also that episode where Lisa does confer to Buddhism, which I always forget what that episode is. Yeah, I just okay, know that. She have with Richard Gere. Yeah. It's from, yeah, yeah. It's from season 13. So we'll get to that episode. Because I've always kind of wanted to go back to that episode, but I always forget where it's from. I don't know if I'm a fan of it, but we'll get to there eventually. Yeah. Steve, I don't know if we want to really talk religion on the show, but so how do you feel about how Simpsons does religion? Well, I'll just say that I am agnostic, non-believing person, but I am open to anybody's beliefs. I think that they do a good job 
of balancing the way that they poke fun at either side in a certain aspect. And I think that they have a certain reverence for being open-minded and allowing people to have faith without making fun of them for it, but also allowing the opportunity for other ideas to be exposed. What do you think, Craig? I mean, they play off, they've talked almost about every religion, but they really haven't done a, the, the Muslim religion, except for like Homerland. Mm-hmm. And I think that because, well, I don't know how many Muslim writers are on the Simpsons staff. I'm, if I have to take a guess, I'm going to say it's a zero. <laughs> Probably. Which, you know, I think in our culture, we're very much in this, anyone who's Muslim must be bad, right? Right. Which isn't in it's any way. Not true. No. And I think it's probably hard for someone who is Muslim trying to like get into our Western culture mm-hmm. just based off of, of you crazy people called the Taliban. But also Christians have probably way crazier people too. Mm-hmm. You know? A lot of them um, were in Portland last weekend. Oh, sorry you had to miss miss your meeting. It's interesting how the Simpsons have always done religion with like tongue in cheek. I'm not anything as as well. I'm I'm agnostic. Mm-hmm. I'm not an atheist. I'm agnostic because you know that just in case, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotta have that contingency plan. <laughs> exactly. They're not my favorite episodes. I'll just go to say that. Like if it yeah. has to do with some religion. I think Homer the Heretic is probably the best one because it does everything right. It shows that, because it ends with, you know, like Krusty, who's Jewish, Apu, who's uh, Hindi. They all come together to save Homer. And it's not about, you know, th- that whole episode is not about what's right about religion. It's about people just being good. And that's all that matters. And it doesn't yeah. matter what your religion is. And I at think, the end of the day, I think that's what matters. To most I mean, reli- yeah. For being a person, it's just exactly. be good. Be good. Exactly. I think we're done being religious to you. Let's find out what we should next week. Alrighty. Let's bust out that wheel of random. Season 14. Season 14. All right. Let's spin for the episode. Episode 4. 14. Four. November 24th, 2002. You're in for a surprise. Oh. Two surprises. In fact, the episode title is Large Marge. Marge gets breast implants and for a younger patient. Meanwhile, Bart and Milhouse spot Krusty on an episode of Batman and Robin. This is all from <laughs> Google.com. Steve, are you remembering this episode? Yes. Uh, some quote that I'm looking at right now is, Yeah! What on earth have you done? My McGuppies have become bazongas. I remember this episode. <laughs> I, already, I think I already know my favorite quote, which I won't say, but I'm thinking about it. It makes me laugh. Uh, I remember this episode and being pretty shocked by it. I haven't watched it in a long time, so it's going to be interesting going back to this episode. Wait, wait, wait. Holy crap. So you mentioned Batman and Robin. So there's some guest stars. And so Jan Hook plays Majula Nahasapisa Petalon. R.I.P. Um, yes. Adam West plays Batman. R.I.P. Burt Ward plays Robin. Still living. And the Baja men play themselves. Weird. Yeah. Also, I mentioned that Mr. Thompson in that movie's wife had, she was very <laughs> blessed up there. And now we have an episode with a very blessed Marge. There we go. All right. Tits up, as they say, uh, Mrs. Maisel. Um, I remember this episode. I, I don't know if I liked it. I guess I... it's fun to watch. Find out, right? Yeah. All right, Steve. Well, next week, we'll all get breast implants for this episode. Large mm-hmm. Marge. And uh, other than that, you can go ahead and reach us on the social medias. The three major platforms of Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 138Simpsons. And you can always email us at 138Simpsons at gmail.com. For this week, I've been 
half an annoyed grunt boy, Craig. And I've been another half annoyed grunt boy, Steve. And remember, keep watching the skis. Bye bye. In a world gone mad, only a lunatic is truly insane.